Do you know what it means to be a soldier of cinema? When a filmmaker enters a new film project, it is a war with a slim possibility that their efforts will manifest any reasonable outcome. Are you ready to hear stories and strategies from the trenches of a filmmaker like me? Welcome to the Director's Viewfinder, a podcast where I explore art, craft, and the business of filmmaking. Join me as I delve into stories, challenges, and triumphs of publishing the boundaries of creativity, technology, and entrepreneurship. From seasoned veterans to up-and-coming talent, I'll bring you insights, inspiration, and advice to help you navigate the exciting and ever-evolving world of independent filmmaking. So sit back, relax, and let's make a movie. I first began telling stories when I was a little kid during the holidays. We would go to my Aunt Carol's house where I would tell stories about my make-believe friend whose name was Hermie. Hermie was a war hero, and he won all of his battles. And it's how I saw myself, just like I saw Hermie and how I told my family about him. From those early preteen days, I loved to tell stories. And for me, it didn't matter if they were real or not. I just enjoyed the process and I enjoyed being up on my own personal stage with any size audience as long as I had someone to share. As I got a little bit older, one of the things that always mesmerized me was how on earth do people make movies? It seemed like the biggest thing in the world that required an enormous amount of money that I would never have access to. And I just was completely amazed and intrigued by the entire process. So much so that I decided to tell stories with still photography. And from an early age, I really focused a lot on taking still photographs and and telling stories that I would make up and not so much thinking about, well, how can I turn these into movies? That wasn't something that I felt I even had the slight amount of access to. Some of you out there might also feel the same. Is it a pipe dream? Where will I come up with $10 million to make my feature film? Or how about $100 million for that episodic? Well, guess what? It's definitely not a mystery. There are many formulas to get your projects made, and you don't need to be a millionaire. Even if you acquire enough money into the millions for a film project, it doesn't mean that you become a millionaire. I have spent many years trying to understand how this process works And I feel like I do understand it now, at least for myself. And I do believe that in filmmaking, 
you can never truly master it because there is so much to learn and it is constantly evolving. But we got to start somewhere. So I'd like to share what I know. That's why I decided to make a podcast. I want to share with you one of my favorite stories. This story takes place in New York City just about the time I started getting hired to work on film sets. I used to live in New York City. It was a great time in my life, and it's actually where I got my start in filmmaking. I wanted to tell you the story first of how I became a New Yorker. I was heading to a fashion shoot that I had produced, and I had all my personal gear with me. I think it was about two or three bags strapped over my shoulders, both hands full. I was about to get off the subway on the corner of 6th Avenue and 23rd Street when a woman standing in front of me decided not to get off and the doors were closing. So naturally, I moved around her to get off the subway, but unfortunately, I bumped her sandal and the strap broke. In that instant, she also had a snap in her mentality and I noticed the look on her face and I began to move out of there as quickly as possible. She became after me. She was very angry. I couldn't understand it. It was a simple mistake. I would have happily paid her for her shoe. So as I was running up the steps, she began clawing at my legs. All I could do was kick her off a little bit and run out of the subway. I found myself standing in the middle of 23rd Street. And I thought, phew, the coast is clear. I looked to the left, I looked to my right, and I began to move. I was sure that I had lost her. Within a few seconds of me carrying on to my chute, something behind me didn't seem right. And as I turned my head to look back, what I noticed was this woman actually not running, already flying in the air, completely floating and coming towards me to tackle me like a football player. She did, she did grab me and we rolled to the ground and it was quite a catastrophe. There was a crowd gathering and people could, did not know if it was me who was attacking her or her attacking me. Somehow I managed to get to my feet and I stood up and pointed to her with the most amount of authority that I had ever used in my life. And I looked at her and I said, stop. Now go stand on the corner. And she actually did. I picked up my gear, walked over to her, and I said, here's 20 bucks, please go away. At that time, she left. The crowd had begun to disperse, except there was one very rosy, jolly, big New York Jewish man standing there looking at me, and he goes, you're not from here, are you, kid? 
And I looked at him and I said, no, I'm not. And he said, well, welcome to New York. And with a big belly laugh, he walked off in laughter. It was the day I became a New York City resident. You've reached the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. I would love to have you sign up to my mailing list. I will be publishing all kinds of really interesting content, including future episodes of this podcast. I'd really love for you all to survive a day on a film set. That's why I created 11 Steps on How to Survive on a Film Set. And you can get it for free in your inbox when you sign up. So go right ahead, sign up, let your friends know, people who love films, making films, it's for all of you. So thanks again for listening in, and I'll see you next week on The Director's Viewfinder. Do you know what it means to be a soldier of cinema? When a filmmaker enters a new film project, it is a war with a slim possibility that their efforts will manifest any reasonable outcome. Are you ready to hear stories and strategies from the trenches of a filmmaker like me? Welcome to the Director's Viewfinder, a podcast where I explore art, craft, and the business of filmmaking. Join me as I delve into stories, challenges, and triumphs of publishing the boundaries of creativity, technology, and entrepreneurship. From seasoned veterans to up-and-coming talent, I'll bring you insights, inspiration, and advice to help you navigate the exciting and ever-evolving world of independent filmmaking. So sit back, relax, and let's make a movie. I decided to use Anchor as my podcast platform because, hey, they're pretty great. They believe in the democratization of our voices. And it's free. Anyone can download the app and record their voice and their story. And we all want to know what they have to say. At least I do. So if I was you, I would definitely get on Anchor. Maybe record a podcast. Definitely listen to mine or a few others. It's a good idea because Anchor is a great platform. I first began telling stories when I was a little kid during the holidays. We would go to my Aunt Carol's house where I would tell stories about my make-believe friend whose name was Hermie. Hermie was a war hero, and he won all of his battles. And it's how I saw myself, just like I saw Hermie and how I told my family about him. 
From those early preteen days, I loved to tell stories. And for me, it didn't matter if they were real or not. I just enjoyed the process and I enjoyed being up on my own personal stage with any size audience as long as I had someone to share. As I got a little bit older, one of the things that always mesmerized me was how on earth do people make movies? It seemed like the biggest thing in the world that required an enormous amount of money that I would never have access to. And I just was completely amazed and intrigued by the entire process. So much so that I decided to tell stories with still photography. And from an early age, I really focused a lot on taking still photographs and, and telling stories that I would make up and not so much thinking about, well, how can I turn these into movies? That wasn't something that I felt I even had the slight amount of access to. Some of you out there might also feel the same. Is it a pipe dream? Where will I come up with $10 million to make my feature film? Or how about $100 million for that episodic? Well, guess what? It's definitely not a mystery. There are many formulas to get your projects made, and you don't need to be a millionaire. Even if you acquire enough money into the millions for a film project, it doesn't mean that you become a millionaire. I have spent many years trying to understand how this process works and I feel like I do understand it now, at least for myself. And I do believe that in filmmaking, you can never truly master it because there is so much to learn and it is constantly evolving. But we gotta start somewhere. So I'd like to share what I know. That's why I decided to make a podcast. I want to share with you one of my favorite stories. This story takes place in New York City just about the time I started getting hired to work on film sets. I used to live in New York City. It was a great time in my life, and it's actually where I got my start in filmmaking. I wanted to tell you the story first of how I became a New Yorker. I was heading to a fashion shoot that I had produced, and I had all my personal gear with me. I think it was about two or three bags strapped over my shoulders, both hands full. I was about to get off the subway on the corner of 6th Avenue and 23rd Street when a woman standing in front of me decided not to get off, and the doors were closing. So naturally, I moved around her to get off the subway but unfortunately, I bumped her sandal and the strap broke. In that instant, she also had a snap in her mentality, and I noticed the look on her face, and I began to move out of there as quickly as possible. She became after me. She was very angry. I couldn't understand it. It was a simple mistake. 
I would have happily paid her for her shoe. So as I was running up the steps, she began clawing at my legs. All I could do was kick her off a little bit and run out of the subway. I found myself standing in the middle of 23rd Street. And I thought, phew, the coast is clear. I looked to the left, I looked to my right, and I began to move. I was sure that I had lost her. Within a few seconds of me carrying on to my chute, something behind me didn't seem right. And as I turned my head to look back, what I noticed was this woman actually not running, already flying in the air, completely floating and coming towards me to tackle me like a football player. She did, she did grab me and we rolled to the ground and it was quite a catastrophe. There was a crowd gathering and people could, did not know if it was me who was attacking her or her attacking me. Somehow I managed to get to my feet and I stood up and pointed to her with the most amount of authority that I had ever used in my life. And I looked at her and I said, stop, now go stand on the corner. And she actually did. I picked up my gear, walked over to her and I said, here's 20 bucks, please go away. At that time she left. The crowd had begun to disperse, except there was one very rosy, jolly, big New York Jewish man standing there looking at me, and he goes, you're not from here, are you, kid? And I looked at him and I said, no, I'm not. And he said, well, welcome to New York. And with a big belly laugh, he walked off in laughter. It was the day I became a New York City resident. At the beginning of my career, I was primarily pursuing still photography. And when you're a freelancer, you pretty much will do anything that comes through, especially in those early years. And I had a few friends that were working in film and making commercials for some pretty big clients. I managed to find myself working on some of the biggest commercials being produced at the time. One for Mountain Dew, another one for uh, George Lucas with uh, the, the Yoda doll, which was quite amazing. Uh, we worked in a studio where they recreated the swamp on the island where Yoda was from and had uh, an entire uh, scene filmed from scratch with the new Yoda doll. It was really amazing to see that level of talent from, from the art department. So in the very beginning, I was uh, working in a lot of different uh, situations on motion sets, lots of commercial projects. Um, people seemed to like my style. I was always fairly much a fly on the wall during these productions. Uh, and then I actually worked on a short film that one of my roommates produced at the time. And uh, 
they, they pulled me in as uh, working in the art department. I was doing still photography, uh, really the beginning of uh, working in independent film and putting many hands and many hats. And it was really a great experience. And some of you may know that my biggest and most successful entry into filmmaking was recording the events of 9-11 in New York City. HBO had purchased my footage and used it in their feature film called 9-11 The World Trade Center, and it did go on to win an Emmy for uh, Best Edited Documentary of the Year, and it was also the very first documentary ever produced about 9-11. From there, I would go on to sell my footage into 10 or 15 different feature productions, which then began my career in film. At the time, I was still very much interested in pursuing my still photography, so I continued on that trajectory for a number of years, and I would continue to find myself working on sets all the way through my time in Seattle, where I actually got to be the unit set photographer for Grey's Anatomy and Station 19 a number of years in a row when production came up here to shoot. I realized eventually that I absolutely loved working on sets and I felt it was my calling. So I began a slow and steady mission to transition into becoming a filmmaker after working on some of the biggest television productions in the business and I was truly ready for something big. So let's fast forward about 10 years from moving to Seattle and I am now a full-fledged filmmaker. I've worked on a billion short films, I worked on just about every job role in production, and I'm actually about to release my first feature documentary film called Healing Waters. And in development I have two TV shows I have several other shorts that are about ready to hit the film festivals and I'm looking at some additional commercial work which is also helping me pay the rent um, here in Seattle and all over America uh, throughout 2023. One thing about filmmaking that I like to think is that it's a big orchestra especially during principal photography, where you have everyone working in all the different departments and someone at the top of the chain is, um, you know, commanding the orchestra to run and it could literally go sideways uh, very easily without the right amount of pre-production and planning. Once your machine is well-oiled, and it begins to play. It's truly a magical experience, and you get to see your actors in a comfortable space, and they can perform just amazing. Uh, it's really a wonderful craft, and I'm super excited to be able to share some of my experiences and knowledge with you in this podcast, because I certainly feel lucky to have been able to do some of the things that I have done. Over the past 26 or 27 years of my creative career, 
I began to pick up some ideas. Uh, I call them my life lessons. Some of them I'll share with you here. But one of my favorites is called To Be Seamless is to be truly liberated. And it's a great quote that I came up with basically after working on uh, so many different film productions because basically what it means is that if you're seamless, everything is gonna go the right way. It doesn't mean you won't have problems, but you will be aware enough to see how the world is functioning around you and you will be able to accept that and continue to move forward with your goals and your achievements and ultimately you will find a level of comfort that is truly joyful and that is one of my ideas of liberation. It's a goal that I try to produce in every project I work on, no matter what my job might be. If I'm just a cinematographer on a production, then I will go through great lengths to pre-plan what my work is, to stay on top of my game, and make sure that I land in the right place every time we hit the record button. Hey, you've reached the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. I would love to have you sign up to my mailing list. I will be publishing all kinds of really interesting content, including future episodes of this podcast. I'd really love for you all to survive a day on a film set. That's why I created 11 Steps on How to Survive on a Film Set. And you can get it for free in your inbox when you sign up. So go right ahead, sign up, let your friends know, people who love films, making films. It's for all of you. So thanks again for listening in, and I'll see you next week on The Director's Viewfinder.